Well, this morning I want to share uh, from John chapter 12 and uh, also uh, Matthew chapter 21. So if you have your Bibles, take them out, read uh, from the scriptures. If you uh, want to follow along online, please launch your Bible app and do that. You can find our message uh, there and all the notes will be there. I believe that this is a moment where God is actually releasing a cry in the earth. As I mentioned earlier, I think that more and more the church is learning about the power of prayer, that we are relearning that. And if you didn't get an opportunity to listen to our first Wednesday message, go to any, uh, any of those outlets, Facebook, uh, YouTube, you can please... Uh, and subscribe to those channels, but listen to that message on prayer. There are six benefits that I listed there, and we want you to take advantage of that. But right now, in the midst of this crisis, where it seems so many are being crushed and pushed down, there is a triumphant cry that is being released from the church. And I believe even this day is prophetic in nature. And I want to show you some things about uh, this, what we're celebrating here on Palm Sunday from the Word of God, this triumphal entry of Christ being recognized in Jerusalem. John chapter 12, verse 12, is where we will begin today. It says this, The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. I love this passage, uh, uh, but you know, when we, when we read familiar passages, um, the danger is, is that we'll read over it as if we understand everything that we just read. We have all the facts down. But this morning, I actually want to give you uh, some insight and details around this time where Christ is coming in. I was, as I was preparing for this, I just began to hear this question in my spirit. God, why the crowds? Why were there crowds? And of course, the first uh, reason that popped up in my spirit is that people were preparing for Passover. And that was coming in, in just a few days. And they were preparing, as many Jews were, the historian Josephus uh, said at that time, uh, the, the population of Jerusalem had probably grown to about 3 million, which is actually about half of the entire nation had, had dis descended, really ascended, uh, to Jerusalem. And so it's, it's in this time that there's a great crowd that's coming for that reason. And yet the scriptures do not tell us 
that that was the reason that there was a crowd on this day when Jesus came riding in on a donkey. I want you to look with me and see this backstory of Palm Sunday. And if I were to, if you were to just really include it and connect the dots, the backstory is the resurrection of Lazarus. The resurrection of Lazarus. This, this friend of Jesus who was dead that Jesus called out of the grave is the scriptural reason why there was a stir in the city at that time. Because there were people who had gone out to see one who was dead and now is alive. You see, just a chapter before in John chapter 11, beginning in verse 20, when Jesus is coming uh, to raise Lazarus from the dead, we get some of the most famous uh, uh, scriptures concerning who Jesus is and what he does uh, in our lives. It says, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. You see, this is the reason the crowds came. There had now been released a divine revelation that Jesus was the resurrection and the life, and there was a confirmation in the eyes of the people. The resurrection of Lazarus set the stage for the triumphant cry. And I believe the resurrection of the church in this hour, God breathing life into his bride is actually setting the stage for a triumphant cry all over this planet. God right now is breathing life into the dead church. He is showing up in power. He is coming to visit dead things. He is coming to visit those dead areas which had no hope of living. But Jesus is standing over those who were dead in religion and dead in going through the motion and crushed by a weight of sin. And he is calling her by name. Just like he did for Lazarus. This is setting the stage for a global resurrection of the church. This is our time. This is the moment where we need to hearken our ears and listen for God's call. I want to encourage you today, before we look deeper into this story... It's that you would listen for the voice of God to call you out of every grave that you've been stuck in. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm just stuck in a rut. I'm just stuck in this place. Well, uh, uh, a rut can look a lot like a grave. 
And so I want you to hear the voice of God this morning. There is liberty. There is life. And you may have, man, you feel so much under the weight. Listen, Lazarus couldn't help himself. And I'm not telling you today to think that we can help ourselves. But what we can do is listen for the voice of God to call us out of the graves. And it is this that positions a city to come alive to God. Now, this story of the triumphant entry actually reveals to us what we should do and say in this moment. If this is really a moment where the resurrection and the life is moving and things that were once dead are now coming alive, things that were bound are now being set free. By the way, that is what God is doing. He is removing every idol that has been standing in the way of the church to to worship him. Anything that has been hindering love Love of God, he is removing. And we have to allow him to do that. And I believe the gracious voice of God is actually setting the stage for the third great awakening. This story reveals what we should do and declare. Now, this this whole scene is not only recorded in John, but it's also recorded in Matthew chapter 21. And it says this, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road and others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the road. So this is what the crowd is doing. They are taking their clothes and laying it on the road. They're also taking palm branches, some of them from this region, 10 feet in length, and they're laying them on the road. Well, let's see what this would mean to us in a practical way. So what should we do? First thing, it's very simple, is lay down our garments. Lay down our garments. Those things which have been surrounding us, those things which bring us comfort, those things even which are necessary, uh, I would say it also this way for those uh, who, who kind of understand a more uh, Pentecostal and charismatic background, even your mantle, your giftings, your assignment, that which God places on your life to make you useful in his hand, this is what we need to do in this hour to see a triumphant cry to see Christ come into his place that so that there will be a global move what do we do we lay down our garments now listen there was another time in scripture because you always want to verify scripture with scripture uh, there was another time in the time of Elisha in 2nd Kings chapter 9 and where people laid their clothes down before a king. And, and what it was is Elisha had sent uh, one of the sons of the prophets to go to Jehu. And Jehu was with all these other leaders. All of them had these cloaks mantles, if you will. They had their clothes that were covering. They were dignified. They were commanders. They were leaders. 
And by the way, if you are born again, you immediately become a leader in the world. Why? Because the world is filled with darkness and Jesus says you are the light of the world. That immediately makes you a leader on this planet because in a dark world, people are looking for people to stand out as light. And that's what God wants us to do. And so here are all these leaders gathering and this prophet comes through the door and they anoint, he, 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 pulls, he pulls Jehu to an inner room. He anoints him and tells him, God has made you king of Israel. And then the prophet runs out. He runs out. Jehu coming out of this, uh, this, this sort of weird experience. He's been in, in this high-level uh, meeting with other people from the army, and now he's pulled out, and now he comes out dripping with oil. And there, all the other commanders were like, what did he say? What did he say? And he says, oh, you know that babbler. And he says, no, no, no. All of them said, no, no, no. There is something on you. They could see the oil dripping down him. He says, no, 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 that's a lie. You need to tell us what he, what he said and what he did. And what, what he said, Jehu said, he said this, you are king, the Lord your God is making you king of Israel. Now, this is what happened with every leader. When he told them what God was doing, Every commander and every leader in 2 Kings 9.13, this is what it says. Then in haste, every man of them took his garment and put it under him, under Jehu, on the bare steps. And they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. Jehu is king. So when they saw that, that God was moving on Jehu, Jehu being the one that would ultimately overthrow Ahab and Jezebel, the one anointed by God to, to deal with the spirit of compromise, listen to me, the spirit of compromise, which was so rampant in Israel through Ahab and through Jezebel, he anointed Jehu, and when the other commanders and leaders saw that someone had been anointed to deal with the compromise that was flooding the nation. You know what they did? They took their garments off and laid them down, blew a trumpet, and said, Jehu is king. I believe in this hour, church, in order for there to be a cry that comes, we need to take our garments off again. Let's stop, let's stop saying that our anointings, our gracings, our giftings, our wisdom, our life, our education is meant for us. It is not meant for us. We need to get into the place where all of us as leaders say, listen, we want the compromise out of our lives, out of this nation, out of the church, and what do we do? We take off our garments and throw them down and we say Jesus is clean king Jesus is king Jesus is king blow a trumpet church lift up your voice like a trumpet the scripture says cry loud and spare not lift up your voice Jesus is king take the mantle of your life and throw it down and say God everything in me I lay down before you. There's nothing left. Here's the picture. The picture is, 
I, God, am vulnerable, but I place myself in your protection. That is the picture of taking our mantles. And this is what God is doing in this day. There is a call. Listen, sons and daughters, there's no, there's no condemnation in Christ. But let's be real before God. There may be areas of comfort that we were leaning on instead of leaning on the comforter. Instead of leaning on the Holy Spirit. And so what do we do? We willingly throw down those garments. Can I just, can I just say, just a few days ago, we do a, a three-day fast. We do a three-day fast corporately to go, you know what that is? Casting down your garments, casting down your comforts. And this is what I believe the church is called to do in this hour. We need to lay down our garments at the feet of our king so there is a triumphant cry that will be released Here's really what it was saying. Those commanders before Jehu, they were saying, our mantle was made to bless yours. Our mantle was made to bless your mantle. Our lives, church, was made to bless Jesus. Bless Jesus. And let me say it this way. Our mantles were made to bless Jesus First, first, he wants to be first, glorified as first. So take all of it down and then listen for the instruction of our king as we would take those giftings and callings and then minister them to people. All of ministry to people flows out of ministry to God, loving him first. So what do we do? First, we lay down our garments. Next, we wave and lay down our palm branches. Now, uh, for us uh, in Florida, we have lots of palms, uh, you know, uh, different kinds. Uh, you know, some of our palm branches are even called swamp cabbage, okay, because people will chop them down and tear out the heart of that palm and chop it up and eat it. Uh, okay, I, I, I have eaten it before, but I have never gone on the quest for uh, swamp cabbage. Uh, but these people, what they were doing on their way, remember many of them making their way to Jerusalem, what they were doing is along the way, they would cut these large palm branches. And all along the way, as people were ascending into Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is a high place, they would be singing the Psalms of the ascent. So all the psalms that you see in your scriptures that are marked psalms of the ascent, uh, those are the ones that, that they're singing, like Psalm 126, those who uh, reap and uh, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. And they're carrying these large branches. And they are symbolic in scripture. Not only uh, did it provide a little bit of shade on their journey, because it did, but it was symbolic of this, victory. It was symbolic of victory. And here's two areas, two different scriptures I'm going to give you that will help you to understand these palm branches from the place of victory. Leviticus 23, when God was giving instruction about the feasts and how to keep them, and remember, uh, this Palm Sunday is really connected to Jewish, the Jewish feast of Passover, 
And this was, this was addressing the spirit in which these feasts are kept. Leviticus 23, 40 says this, And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the balls of leafy trees, and the willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Uh, here's, what, here's what it's saying. All of these feasts are the, the reminder of God's victory that he wrought his people. All of these things, the, the, every feast, even the tabernacles, even the booth, as they were traveling through and coming into the promised land, every feast is, is connected to remembering that there is victory that comes through God. When God passes over his people, uh, judgment comes on Egypt. And what happens? Israel is thrust into pure worship for, uh, of God. That is the whole reason they were set free, is to genuinely worship God. So when they would lift these branches, it was a sign and a reminder of the victory. It was saying, I will rejoice because God is my victory. Well, the word rejoice, as I've been saying uh, several times over these last few weeks, it means this. It means glad for grace, that they were glad for the undeserved favor of God. They were glad. And church, we have reason to rejoice. We have reason to, to take the palm branches of our lives and openly rejoice for the grace of God that's resting on us. That we are saved. That we have been set free from sin. That we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That we're not alone. And that he's not afar off. And that when we pray, he hears us. We need to wave the branches and we need to say there is victory in God that is the sound and that is what we must do in this time and you say it's not not wasn't just for Israel then it's not just for us now but I want to say that this is a practice that continues in eternity because Re a revelation chapter 7 verse 9 says this after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all the nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So even before the throne, we're gonna pick up and wave palm branches. We're gonna wave them, why? Because it's saying, there's victory in God. Listen, what should we be doing right now? We need to wave the proverbial palm branch of our life and say, there is victory in Jesus. We need to lift up our voice like they do in Revelation and say, salvation belongs to our God. Salvation won't be found in any other place Hallelujah. other than through Jesus. Hallelujah. Belongs to our God who sits on the throne. So this is what we're to do. We're to lay down our comforts. We're to lay down those things, those mantles, all of the good things we lay them down and say, this is for your glory, God. And then we are to pick up these palm branches and wave them and stand as a sign that there is victory in the church, in Christ. Now, the title of this message is called The Triumphant Cry. So there is something that we are not only 
to do, but to say. And I believe God wants to put this saying on the lips of the church today. Matthew 21, 9 kind of reveals what these multitudes who went before Jesus, what they were saying. It says, uh, verse 9 says, the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let me give you the three things uh, quickly this morning. First thing that we need to be saying in this hour that needs to be on our lips verbally is this word, Hosanna. Hosanna. Uh, several times in scriptures this is used, uh, but I, I, I want you to understand what this means. Hosanna means save now. Save now. It's not save in the future. It's like one day, uh, God, I know you will save us when you come back for your church. That's not what this means. It means when they were saying it, they were saying salvation now. Hosanna, salvation now. And I can't think of anything better than the church to begin to cry out in the midst of a nation in crisis and a world that is shaking Hosanna! Hosanna! God, save now! Save now! Isaiah 25, 9. It's such a telling scripture connected to this idea of declaring Hosanna. God, save now. And it says, in verse 9, it says, And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him. And he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Now, there was just no backing up in Isaiah's life. He's saying, listen, our God is going to save. Our God is going to rescue. That word salvation, it means that. He is coming to the rescue. And this is what the church needs to begin to pray like never before as we are welcoming Christ to come back into this nation in an unprecedented way. The church needs to begin to lift the cry, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. God save now. Let your salvation be seen now. Let your salvation be experienced now. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna! It caused a stir when the people begin to lift up. God, save now. And I believe the church today needs to lift her voice once again. And that it's completely appropriate that we would once again say, Hosanna! God, save now. Why would we pray such a bold prayer? Here's why. Because he will. Because he will. Our God is a saving God. The next thing that he cried, that they, they, they cried, they said, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. Here's what this is saying. Hosanna, save now. When they say son of David, it says, because you are the savior. When they said the son of David, everyone in Jewish culture knew that meant you are the Messiah. They were saying, Hosanna to the only one who can bring salvation. 
This declaration of son of David is a powerful declaration, and most times we only quote it during Christmas. But it actually applies right now. Isaiah 9, 6 says it this way, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Aren't you glad for that? And upon the throne of David, here it is, Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and peace from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He is saying, listen, when you say son of David, you are saying the Savior. It's because God promised that a deliverer would come through King David's lineage. And we, we find out in the Gospels that both Mary and Joseph come from King David's uh, uh, lineage, which is why Jesus was born in Bethlehem during a time of census, because they went back to their hometown. So we see here that Jesus is the son of, of David. He is the king which will rule and reign forever. Listen, Jesus is the king, and of his government there shall be no end. And this scripture says, it will increase. It will increase. And so we believe that in this hour, not only are we saying, God save now, we need to say, God save now, because you're the only one that can save. You're the only one given by God. It, it, that, that what they're saying is that you are the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the one anointed by God. And we know from, uh, from the scriptures that, that the anointing, and in the King James it says it this way, the anointing destroys the yoke. It destroys the yoke. Well, uh, the, the picture really is uh, when it says the anointing destroys the yoke, it means you get so healthy that the yoke is, that it, it's not broken from the outside it's actually broken from the inside because you outgrow the ability of what held you bound in the last season. Because God fills you up, it breaks from the inside. That's what it means for the anointing to destroy the yoke. And so Jesus comes as the Savior. And the cry that needs to be released is save now because you're the only one that can make us healthy enough to break the bonds that have been on our neck. That is the picture. And here's the promise. The zeal of the Lord will perform this. This is what will happen and is happening. People are welcoming uh, Christ in a brand new way. So we need to say, save now. We need to say, Hosanna, son of David, you are the only Savior. And the last thing is this, blessed. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This was the cry uh, of the, the triumphal entry. And once again, the church, we need to release this from our lips, uh, that God is blessed. Here's, here's what this word, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This word blessed, it means this. It means uh, fortunate. It means to be envied. But... Uh, its first definition is actually happy. 
He's happy. He's actually joyous. And, and what we need to see in this, when we, say, when we say blessed, it is saying, God, you are the only one favored enough to be beyond our circumstance so that you can deliver us from our circumstance. That is the promise of the word. And this is what God is wanting on the lips of the church. God, you are blessed. You are the only one favored to deliver us. You're the only one favored. And if I, I just gave you three powerful prayer points that you could pray, but I, I want you to, to see uh, how uh, David, King David, actually blessed the Lord. And it will, it will show you uh, uh, just how we can engage in prayer. It says, First Chronicles 29.10, when everyone, this is out of everyone being so generous and sowing in to the temple and sowing into building God a house, it says, therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assemblies, and David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom. And you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand uh, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Look, look at this. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. What is he saying? Everything we need is in you. All the power, the might, the strength to overcome, everything we need is in you. That is why the, this triumphant crowd was saying, blessed are you. Blessed are you and we too in the church today, you who are sitting watching, we need to lift up our voice and say, God, you are blessed. Jesus, you are blessed. You're the only one who can deliver. Yours is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you. You reign over all. In your hand is power and might. And in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. We need to move in our prayer times before God to this place of declaring Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I believe that this is the cry that God wants to erupt in our streets again. As, as no one's driving, as no one's going out, at, at, when, when everything comes back together, here's, I believe that God wants to release a triumphant cry, and this is it. But you need to remember this. What was it? What was the catalyst for all of this taking place? It is one who was dead who had been raised to life by Christ. It is one who was dead who was raised. People started to come out to see Lazarus. They not only wanted to see Jesus, the one who done it. They said, I want to see the one who was raised 
from the dead. Church, I want to challenge you this morning to allow the resurrection life of Christ to surge in every part of who you are. 